Good morning, everybody. It, uh, it's good to see who's on, uh, on and listening. Uh, I got to tell you, this week I, I ran probably ran into more folks this week than I have uh, in the past several weeks, and so that made this week a good week. Uh, and and so it was good. We had some good conversations with some folks, and I loved that. I, of course, I'll say it again. I probably said it every Sunday. Uh, and, and matter of fact, this is becoming normal. And and when I sit down and I think about that, I don't care for the fact that this is becoming normal. Uh, I want to get back to what uh, should be normal. That's God's people coming together for just what we just sang, right? How great thou art and leading us into prayer. Thanks, Eric. And and Annie, if you heard Annie, she was right there in the background. I, I think you, you were able to hear her. Uh, anyway, adds to that praise. Um, I do just want to, uh, excuse me here just a second. There, I wanted to make sure a clock in front of me. I don't know whether uh, this is causing me, I, I don't want to take too much time. And, and so I want to keep an eye on, on some kind of a, a, a clock. Anyway, uh, we're, we're going through Daniel. And uh, I've enjoyed it. I, my, my favorite form of preaching is to walk through a book, and, and Daniel's been, been that for me. And uh, we're, we're finding out things about a king, a pagan king, meaning a godless, well, he, he, he believed in gods, but he didn't believe in the God. So this pagan king, King Nebuchadnezzar, Eric said, I, I, I said, uh, uh, oh, good, Nicodemus last week. And, and uh, uh, catch me. Or if, if I say Nicodemus because I get a little going and, and every once in a while Nicodemus comes in instead of Nebuchadnezzar. But we've been talking about Nebuchadnezzar. And in the first four chapters of Daniel, which we're in chapter four today, uh, the stories, or at least he's involved in about everything we've gone through. Uh, although chapter one, uh, we, we see him being introduced to the four young men uh, who were godly young men from Israel. Not all of them were godly. They were, uh, of course, there because of discipline. They were in captivity because of di discipline. But we know that the four men, Hananiah, Mishael, Nazariah, and Daniel, who become known as Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, we know that those four young men uh, are, are men who, who have dedicated and, and they are faithful and, and determined to be God-honoring with their lives. Uh, in chapter 1, Nicodemus meets them and, and uh, from, from his questioning, he finds them to be wise and full of understanding, 10 times more than all the wise men uh, of Babylon. That's, that's a pretty amazing statement from chapter one. Chapter two and three, uh, Nebuchadnezzar learns lessons concerning God. Uh, in, in, in chapter two, uh, we find through Daniel's revelation and interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, uh, the end result there, Nebuchadnezzar declares, Daniel's God is the God of gods. He is the Lord of kings. He's the revealer of mysteries. He says in chapter two, verse forty-seven, and uh, so so, and he does that on his face. He is he is just declaring the praise of Daniel's God, and and kind of in a humble state. In chap in chapter three, 
Uh, he learns also a, another lesson from the next three, who now he calls Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He creates an image. Uh, he commands everybody at the sound of music to fall down on their faces and worship this image. But again, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are determined not to be dishonoring of God and definitely uh, in that not turning to any other God and, and to worship. And, and therefore, the lesson he learns there from his own question is what God can save you or deliver you from my hand? And, and uh, they answered, oh, it's our God. Our God is able to deliver. And, and he does in the passage. So Nebuchadnezzar learns that God is able to save uh, out of his hand. And, and again, he's, he's, he's uh, uh, brought to that place of declaring, man, what a God this is. In chapter four, Man, uh, chapter four, just reading through this. Matter of fact, if you heard me Wednesday in, in our three by nines, I, I threw out a question for everybody. You know, who who is collaborating to put this chapter together? And and if you read through it uh, to give you the answer, you know, I always think, well, Daniel's a part of reading the, or writing this whole uh, book of Daniel. But Nebuchadnezzar comes along and in first person, begins to tell his story. Matter of fact, in some ways, I believe the, all the chapter sounds like it's coming from Nebuchadnezzar. He's telling his story. This is, a, you know, I love personal testimonies when someone has been affected uh, through an amazing way of, uh, of, of uh, uh, maybe some, some action or some activity or, or, or something uh, God has revealed. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes along and gives a testimony in chapter four. Now, I don't know who, who originally wrote it, or whether Nebuchadnezzar himself uh, wrote this along with Daniel's help, who, who knows? But the way it's written leads us to, to, to just read this testimony of Nebuchadnezzar. Let me, let me give you an example just by reading the first three verses of, of Daniel chapter four. That's where we are today. I'm gonna tell you now because I always forget by the end. Uh, don't forget to read chapter five for next week. But chapter four, if you took the time to read it, here, here's the introduction. He begins with his name. King Nebuchadnezzar, that, that's who's introducing, and he directs it to this. He says, to the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures endures from generation to generation. There's a whole content, I believe, of what Nebuchadnezzar has, 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 has learned. And I believe it's from the impact of these four young men and what God is doing through them. And he tells his story from there. He says, Nebuchadnezzar, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was laying on my bed. He was sleeping. He, was, he had another dream as he did back in chapter two. And this dream as well was troubling to him. And so he uh, uh, did the same thing as he did in chapter two, went to the wise men of Babylon and asked them to interpret the dream. This, this time, it seems like he just tells them the dream. But he, he comments and says, but they could not interpret this dream. So he turned to his old friend. I, I believe this is several years of, of him being in rule and that the, the chapter two had happened years ago. But he turned to Daniel, 
because Daniel had that ability to interpret dreams and even reveal dreams. So he turned, and he does say something interesting, indicating that, that he knew that, that Daniel had a spirit, he says, of the gods, uh, but of the holy gods, but he had that spirit within him uh, from God himself who, who could interpret dreams. So he goes to Belteshazzar now, uh, his Babylonian name, and says, uh, uh, tells him the dream. And, th and this is the dream. It's really simple. He dreams about a tree. And this tree is huge. It's in it's the middle of the land and it, it's, it reaches to the, the very heavens uh, and it could be seen by the whole earth. Uh, it, it, is, it is absolutely huge. It is, its foliage is, is so many leaves and, and, and there's fruit in its branches and the birds find rest within the branches and, and the animals are finding uh, shelter under its branches as well. It's this, it's this dream of this magnificent tree. And the action that takes place is a messenger comes and he lays out uh, a, a message towards that tree and he demands that the tree be cut down, that it be uh, laid low and, and, and just the, the stump and its roots left, uh, all the, 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 the fruit of the tree is gonna be spread and all the animals and everything that was finding comfort from that tree is just gonna be spread and, and this tree is gonna be cut down. The messenger continues saying, let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass for him. And it, it, it comes out that it's, it's a judgment upon that tree uh, until he makes known that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth. We, we look at this and Daniel, Daniel also, you know, after he hears the dream, uh, the scripture says that he is troubled by it as well. He's perplexed. And he begins to share with uh, King Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation of the dream. And he, he begins with this. He, he, he says, uh, I, I, if only this was an enemy of yours, if only this was one of your adversaries, instead, this, this dream is about you, Nebuchadnezzar. This is... You, the, the tree that you're dreaming about is you. And, and it, it represents, that great tree represents your dominion. It, it, it represents your might and, and the outreach you've had in this world. It, it, it really reveals all that splendor. But the messenger that comes is, is talking about cutting you down and leaving you just with a stump and, and, and roots. And, uh, uh, the interpretation basically is, is that, that you're going to lose your mind. You're, you're going to just, just be there out in the open in the dew of heaven and, and uh, around all the wild animals. And uh, uh, the, the problem, I, I just want to deal with this, the first, the, the first issue. What is God doing through this dream? And, and overall, this is a discipline that God is revealing to, to Nebuchadnezzar uh, that this discipline is coming upon you because of your pride, because of your arrogance. And until you recognize God in his sovereignty, 
this trouble is coming upon you. Is basic, That's the simple message of this dream. Uh, let me start here uh, this morning. First point, pride is a dangerous attribute. Uh, especially when we look at, uh, I could probably put that in, in, in sterner words, but uh, uh, pride is, is just very dangerous. So, and matter of fact, we think about pride, what's wrong with pride? Uh, just here a little bit ago, Laner was showing me two pictures he had, he had colored. He did a real good job. And, and I think about uh, a child that brings a, a picture home that's, you know, some artwork and what does moms do, but put it on the refrigerator. And, and some kids just love to have their pictures put on the refrigerator because it's that sense of accomplishment. Here's something that's being showcased. Uh, later wanting to show me, you know, man, look, look what I've been able to do. I, I remember when I was young and the first time I had mowed our lawn all by myself. Uh, my dad had trained me and, and seven and one, one evening I, I mowed the lawn, did the whole thing by myself. I remember sitting in the middle of our backyard, just Indian style, sitting there looking around and, and just feeling a sense of accomplishment. Uh, I, I don't think that there's difficulties in that. Now, what, what did Nebuchadnezzar do? Let's, let's talk about the pride that was a real problem for Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, in, in verse 29, it's obviously he was proud. Uh, it, it was actually 12 months later than in verse 29, it says that, that 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon? I have built as a, as a royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. And who's going to answer except for God? That's when the messenger shows up. It, it was the pride of Nebuchadnezzar that was a problem. Isaiah actually uh, laid out a message uh, which was a prophecy concerning Babylon and this very problem. Isaiah 14, 13 and 14 says, you said in your heart, speaking about Babylon, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly on the, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. A lot of boasting. And then last phrase, he says, I will make myself like the most high. That's a, that's a pretty amazing boast. Matter of fact, within the contents of that last phrase is probably the very core of the problem of pride, which is even found in the very first temptation that's laid out in Genesis 3. When, when Eve was approached and said, you know, here, take a bite of this fruit from the tree of uh, uh, the knowledge of good and evil. And, and uh, uh, the, the serpent said, well, you know, the, the woman replied, well, he said, I'll die. Well, the reply from, from the serpent was, God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Where's the appeal? Where's the, the appeal is to a, a self-centeredness, a, a lifting myself up to be something I was never created to be. It's pride. Pride is an attitude of, of is maybe the easiest way to put it, is independence from God. It, it's an, God, I don't need you in my life. That was Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was basically up there looking around, seeing his kingdom and saying, I rule. 
Uh, Adrian Rogers, uh, a Baptist minister, said it is an attitude or pride is an attitude of putting your uh, your fist in God's face. It, it is an insult to God. Hey, he is the creator. I'm the created. And, and it is just unthinkable to say that the, the created could even look at the creator and say, I don't need you. Uh, I, I remove you. And that's the attitude that pride even works in us. Pride must be taken down and defeated. Pride needs to be removed. Matter of fact, any of us who are listening today, how is it even, would it, would it even be possible for us to hold such pride and come into a right relationship with God? No way. The, the beginnings of our relationship with God is repentance. We'll talk about that here a little bit, but uh, uh, the, the, the bringing down pride is that important step of getting right with God. Uh, the, the second point, uh, and, and for the first time, a long time, that, that actually I think uh, Nick, Nebuchadnezzar lays out that phrase, that, that very key point that, that I, I think is important. It's the very last phrase, from Daniel chapter four, the verse 37, the, the last line is this, for those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Those who walk in pride, it is God who is able to humble. Uh, um, above their arrogance, above their pride, whatever they could do, God is able to humble that person. That's this whole story that, that Nebuchadnezzar is laying out. After the dream that, that uh, Daniel, uh, after the dream and after the interpretation, Daniel uh, then laid out some advice for King Nebuchadnezzar. It's the same thing that happens. A lot of times the wise men would, would interpret the dream and then give recommendation or advice. It's what happened with Pharaoh and Moses. Moses uh, interpreted the dream of the seven, uh, seven bountiful years uh, along with the seven uh, lean years. And, and what what pharaoh should do with that here uh daniel interprets the dream and then lays out advice in verse 27 he said therefore king uh, your majesty be pleased to accept my advice renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed it may be that then your prosperity will continue what's he saying what what is what is Daniel's advice to Nebuchadnezzar except this? It's to repent. And, and he puts it in words that repentance, makes it clear that repentance is an action. It is renounce your sins, what? By doing what's right. In the context here, what would be doing, what, what does he need to do that's right? And, and that is to give that praise, that glory to the very God who has established his throne who has given him this kingdom, who has seated him in this very place, who has given, shoot, even who's given him life and who's given him the opportunity to enjoy every day. Give praise and recognize the one who's made all this possible. You see, I could, I could uh, uh, have a sense of, of pride in, in projects, and, and, but, but in the whole line of that, man, praise God I've had the opportunity. Praise God he's given me the skill. Praise God 
that he's put me in the situation that I could accomplish some things. Paul laid that out in the New Testament. Man, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in the Lord because he's made this possible. And amongst the things I've really accomplished, man, I count them as rubbish compared to what God has brought me in Jesus Christ. Uh, there's some good boasting. That, and how do we live life? And how can you go through a day without recognizing and giving God the praise that he deserves? He's our creator. That, again, was, was Nebuchadnezzar's problem. And, and Daniel laid it out. He said, man, now, now first of all, re renounce your sins by doing what's right, recognize God, but also by being kind to the oppressed. You see, even that sense of a, a repentant life is going to be a different life in how we live amongst the rest of God's creation, isn't it? A, a humble and repentant life is going to live life differently. And, and Daniel calls him to change, not, not just to, to be sorry for, but to change his life. And it comes in that repentance. God brought the king down. Uh, through his action, through his activity. He warned him through the dream, but the dream wasn't enough to, to cause Nebuchadnezzar to come into repentance. So the, the, the king brought him down, cut him down like it was in the dream. Uh, in, in verse three, 33, it reveals that, that Nebuchadnezzar truly lost his, his mind. Uh, it says that he was driven away from people and ate grass like an ox. This is mighty Nebuchadnezzar. He ate grass like an ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. He was a wild man. No one was around him. And he was outside getting drenched by the dew of heaven and around all the wild beasts. And, and that's how he lived his life. Some say it was, it was seven years for, for seven periods. Uh, and, and there's questions about that, but we know it was a long time until, like the scripture said, until he raised his eyes to heaven, until he recognized God as the most high, as the one who, who, who decides and, and, and rules over everything. Until he recognized that, did he come to, to a, a right mind once again. Yeah, I, I think about this. I think we have come to a place of humility. If, if we're right in God, it is through our humility, it is through the recognition that he is holy and we are not. It is through the recognition that I am sinful. See, pride has a difficulty to cross that line to say, uh, we, we probably go to the place of more blaming someone else or something else or situations or, or causes and not taking uh, uh, account ourselves that we are responsible for our sinfulness. We humbling place that we need to come to says we have sinned and we are deserving of God's condemnation. We're deserving of his judgment. So that's the place that... that, that uh, Nebuchadnezzar needed to come to here. It's a place that we've come to. Matter of fact, for those of you uh, who are watching and a part of this today, uh, you'll, you'll understand this to be true. My third point is this. Praise comes out of a humble heart. Isn't that true? I mean, to sing the songs and to sing it with genuine and, 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 and to be a, a pleasing message to God in the songs that we sing or the prayers that we pray, it, it, it has to come from a humble heart, not a prideful heart. Uh, praise is hindered by pride 
or or it's just <laughs> there is no praise in our pride but but praise exists in a humble heart before God Jesus tells a story Luke uh, chapter 18 9 through 14 just just a simple story he talks about a a, a, a good grief I want to say a Republican, a publican. No, uh, it's a Pharisee. Sorry, a Pharisee and a tax collector uh, enter into to to come into pray, and and uh, uh, the um, uh, the Pharisee stands up and and as he prays, he stands up. He lifts his eyes to heaven. He says, "Oh God, thank you that you didn't make me like these other men or these other people. I'm not like everybody else. I'm not a thief. I'm not a robber." Uh, I'm not like this tax collector over here. Uh, instead, you know, I, I tithe twice a week and, and uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm busy about your work. Oh, thank you, God. And, and then the other one, the, the tax collector who's off on the side, uh, he doesn't lift his eyes to heaven. He's bowed. He's, he's, he's humble in what he says. He said, God, forgive me. Have mercy upon me, a sinner. That was, that was his very phrase. And then Jesus, Jesus said, Jesus said, I tell you that this man rather than the other, the one who, who, who was humble and, and called upon God's mercy, he went home justified before God. The other one did not. He came home justified. He came home right before God. And he ends with this, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Where are you today? You know, what, what kind of uh, life are you living? I tell you, repentance is, is going to be a part of the life of the person who acknowledges God in every day. And wherever we fall short, uh, repentance is going to be there. Praise is going to be there. Prayer is going to be there. If your life isn't, isn't, doesn't have that room for prayer, then I would imagine that, and I, I would even challenge you that pride is a, a good reason why you are not involved in prayer. So think about that. Are you praying? Are you going for the Lord? Are you asking, making those requests, seeking his forgiveness and giving him the praise he deserves? I, I, I want to finish with this. I want to finish with, with uh, Nicodemus's conclusion of, of this whole thing. Here's what he says, beginning verse 36. He says, at the end of, again, Nick, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, I said Nicodemus, didn't I? Eric's over here laughing. I knew, what it, I knew what I did. Nebuchadnezzar concludes this whole message, beginning 34. I just want to read out the rest of the verses. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one could hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? What, what's he saying? God is sovereign. God rules. It, it, it's God and no one else. He goes on, verse 36. At the same time, at that same time, my, my sanity was restored. My honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. 
my advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of Heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Uh, this is the end of, of Nebuchadnezzar's story. This is the end of Nebuchadnezzar's story. We go on, it's other kings that we're going to be looking at. But here at, at chapter 4, I, and we don't know. But, but we know at the end of this, this king had it right. This king knew the truth about the God who created us. We are the created. He, he is the creator and the one who deserves all praise and glory. I, I thought about a guy. I just want to wrap this up with this. I thought about a guy this week that I see, or the past week, I see him about every week, uh, a certain place. And, and when I ever, uh, my question to him always is, how you doing? And he always responds in this way. I got to tell you, uh, I uh, amazingly, tremendously, marvelously outstanding. Every time I ask him, and it, it kind of annoys Linda to tell you the truth, but I, I caught on to that. And I, I, I took that in because in some ways I, I feel that as well. Uh, that, that, and, and I take it that that's, that's a life in God. That's a life in under... I am, which humbles me. And also understand God uh, to be the God who, who loves and has given me a, a mercy and a grace and a savior in Jesus. So I could feel uh, amazingly, tremendously, marvelously outstanding as well. Uh, a, a good man, uh, Merrill Clark, uh, said it even better than that. He said it in a simple phrase I always love and always will. Uh, he said, ask Merrill, how you doing? And Merrill would respond, this humble man Brian, man, humble man would say, you know, the very best. And it's not because Merrill was glorious or anything, but because of his God. Uh, he, was, he was a man who loved God, and, and that response was all about God. You know, we live an amazing life, but that amazing life comes because we know who created, and we know we are the created. And, and his throne belongs to him. It's not mine. It's not mine to take or, or uh, uh, even to usurp him at all. Uh, but to honor him and glorify him for that position and place is a way to live this life. Pray with me. Father, never we praise you. We thank you that you are God. That, Lord, it's all in your hands what happens in every day. The things that we're frustrated by, the things that we're afraid of, Lord, is never out of your control. Oh God, I pray for each of us to seriously consider in our lives uh, if there is pride that we need to deal with, pride that we need to face. Lord, and if that's so, we pray, Lord, that we can immediately just come before you and, and seek that repentance. And Father, uh, uh, if, if we don't, Lord, I just pray that you bring us to that place to bring us down, bring down our pride, uh, that uh, we, we can do that repenting. We do pray for the, the community around us. Lord, for the same thing, you're working in this world, 
we pray that people will have uh, the ability to, to see within them working a pride and a rejection of, of, of such a wonderful God. So we pray, Lord, that they might come to a, a right repentance before you and to come to know you as well. God, you're good to us. We praise you again for the book of Daniel. Lead us in what we need to do next. Lead us in our prayer. Lead us in our repentance. Lead us, maybe even that first time coming to you and, and declaring Jesus as our Savior. Lord, we know that first step is, is being truthful about who we are and, and to knowing who you are as that holy and righteous God above all things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.